Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, a show where we visit slash revisit movies and series, new or old, for friendly discussion and usually some artistic examination. This episode marks a return to the typical style here of taking a film that at least one of us had not seen in the past and getting a fresh take on it. This is the first episode to follow the first iteration of our selection subseries, in which each of three episodes centers around a movie very dear to one of the FLP's hosts. The previous three episodes make up the first trilogy of selections episodes, so make sure to check those out if you think they may interest you. Today, we are talking about a very recent film which swept at the 2020 Oscars, taking home awards for Best Screenplay and Best Director, and being the first ever film to win the Oscars for both Best Picture and Best International Picture. Yes, we're talking about the 2019 Bong Joon-ho film, Parasite. The film was making headlines even before its Oscar buzz, but if you still haven't seen it, here's a brief summary. The film is a contemporary statement on classism in a severely class-divided, modern-day Seoul, South Korea. The film looks at two different families, the Kims, who live in poverty in a basement apartment on the crowded back streets of Seoul, and the Parks, a wealthy family living in an uptown mansion, when a tutoring offer presents an opportunity for work in the Park household. The Kim family begins to slowly and strategically work its way into various roles in the Park residence, under fake guises. But not everything goes according to plan, and the Kims get wrapped up in the interclass greed which classism inevitably incites. The symbiosis between the Kims and the Parks becomes short-lived as the social parasites that are the two families show their true intentions. The film saw critical acclaim and was lauded as a genius and also genre-bending work. As mentioned before, for one of us, it was the first time watching the movie. But that's not all that will give this episode a fresh take, because we have a special guest. Her name is Maddie, and she thought very highly of this film upon seeing it in theaters. Today, she's joining your hosts, Carolina, Marco, and myself, Daniel, to talk about Parasite. Hello. Hi, Maddie. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I thank you for I coming. Feel, I feel so privileged to be, I think, your first like guest Besides, like, for, like, a main episode, right? Yeah, for a main the episode, first yeah. mainline episode guests. We probably wow, should clarify so that this perfect. is a different Maddie. Sorry yes. to cut you off, because there's been a Maddie in the bonus oh, yeah. episodes, but it's a different Maddie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so we've only ever had two guests, and they've both been named Maddie. <laughs> Full disclaimer, there are two different Maddies. This is a it's different It's the superior Maddie. name, that's why. Yeah. I think from now on we should only have guests named Maddie on the podcast. Yeah, we should just find <laughs> like, new people named Maddie every yeah. time. That's the only yeah, that's the only <laughs> guest we can have. You gotta keep it going. So Maddie, do you wanna start with your general opinion on this film? Uh yeah, sure. Um I love this film. <laughs> um I think I pestered everybody that I knew after I saw it for the first time, I pestered everybody I knew about it because I loved it so much. Which kind of brings me into like a little bit of beef with Dan here, because I brought him to see... With me? Yeah. I brought him to see the film for the first time um, in theaters. So they had done like another theatrical run after, um, after the first run because it had done so well and it was getting all this acclaim. So I was like, oh my god, all my friends, we can go see the movie in theaters, let's go. So there was like a good group of us there had to be like six or seven or eight of us guys remember going to movie theaters oh my god oh good times good times <laughs> just had a flashback um and so there's a group of us and i remember just being so excited to be there with everybody and then after the film i asked dan i'm like so what'd you think like i'm so excited to hear what you what he what his thoughts were and he goes yeah it was okay 
I didn't say it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I said it was good. You were like, yeah, it was like good. <laughs> you were like, it was okay. Like I, I didn't. I don't remember saying said, that. I remember you saying, I don't get what all the hype was, but it was good. Like it was okay. Oh my god. And I was so devastated. I mean, it might have, yeah, because I saw it like after the fact, so it was probably one of those yeah. things where I was like, it was like the most hyped movie in history, and I. I don't know. But I've seen it, full disclaimer, I've seen it a couple more times since then, and it's very much grown on me. Much like a parasite, ironically. No, there you go. Um, I definitely think highly of it, like, more highly of it now than I apparently did the first time. <laughs> Dan hated this I don't, movie the first time. I, I don't remember saying... No, no, no. I never said that. I don't even remember saying it was okay. I remember yeah. saying it was at least a good movie, but if you say so. But even then, I hope you have more thoughts now than, it was good! <laughs> Oh yeah. I do remember sure. like his one thing that he said about it was like the editing was really good. <laughs> it was, and it was nominated for uh best editing, but it didn't win. Mm-hmm. That was one of the mm-hmm. only ones that didn't win. I mean it was edited on like Final Cut Pro or something apparently, so Yeah, it, it was edited on so like, a really antique. <laughs> oh seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that uh, thing. <clears throat> well, I guess we'll segue into my thoughts then because <laughs> Perfect. that kind of makes a segue. Yeah. Um yeah, so I've seen this movie in theaters and then twice more after that including one for this episode um and i think every time my appreciation for it has grown and like this last time especially i just for some reason i don't know like the story it's not that it only clicked with me now but it like it's fully clicked with me now if that makes sense um it's not very like overtly complex but it's sort of subtextually complex and that's just sort of grown with me through the years since the first time I've seen it. So yeah, um, and like obviously, um, all the technical aspects are like on point. The editing, like we mentioned, the cinematography is wonderful. We can get into that in more detail later. I still find it funny that it was edited on a super antique <laughs> yeah. platform. Yeah. It just goes to show, like the technology really doesn't matter. It's just the yeah. editing skill. Well, wasn't there um, that movie? Like, sorry, not to derail you right off okay. the bat, but there was that movie like a couple years ago that was shot on an iPhone, right? Wasn't it yeah. the um... Was Florida? that shot on yeah. an iPhone? Yeah. yeah. Oh that one God, with I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not the technology, it's the skill behind it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but not to get into too much detail yet, but that's just my sort of general um, take after seeing the movie three times now. Carol? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'd only seen the movie once in theaters, and then now. Um, I was lucky, I mean, lucky, but also smart. Um, so whenever anyone tells me a movie's good and I see it's getting hyped, I avoid it like the plague and go see it immediately, which is what I did. Hmm. Um, someone who I follow on like Instagram, whose movie opinions I highly respect, like posted about it because he lives in like LA, so I guess they get everything first. I don't know. So he posted about it and he's like, "It's great. Don't look it up. Go see it." So I think I did like the next day. Um, so I had no spoilers and I was surprised and I loved it. And then. It won everything, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while, um, so it was good to rewatch it for this. I did indeed kind of forget the whole ending, um, so that was another fun surprise <laughs> for me. Yeah. I got to relive it almost, which was great. Um, but yeah, I loved it before, I loved it this time, um, I'm excited to talk about it. <clears throat> yeah, um, the whole impetus of doing this episode was that I was chatting with Carolina and it somehow in casual conversation came up that I hadn't seen this movie yet and she got very mad at me. This happens a lot. 
There's a lot of really good films that you somehow have avoided. Well, look, here's the thing. And I think Dan can kind of back me up on this. Is that in life, in general, (laughs) when something gets... Big topics. (laughs) When something gets significant amounts of hype, I immediately am like, I'm not going to watch this thing right now. I don't know what it is. And I think it also has something to do with I have a really hard time personally when I know something is going to be like very good. And, like, impactful. Like, I haven't watched Bo Burnham's special yet because (laughs) everyone has said it's really good and really emotional. And I'm like, do I want that right now or do I want to, like, rewatch Seinfeld from scratch or watch Burgers? By the way, sorry to interrupt, but just because you mentioned it, (laughs) we could literally, like, Bo Burnham's stuff is not like any stand up you've ever seen. We could literally do an episode on it. Oh, I'm sure we, yeah, yeah. Stuff like it's that dense. (laughs) For sure. And we should in in the future. Um, Anyway. Make a note of that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's my general arc of, like, watching movies, which is I just have a very hard time watching stuff that I know is good because I'd rather watch stuff that I've seen before or that I'm going to have, like, a good time with, whether it's bad or just, like, good in an easy-to-watch way. But if something's, like, impactful, I'm always like, fuck, i got to like, <laughs> mentally prepare now to watch this thing. For years. Mentally prepare well, for years. Well, but I'll say this. Normally, it doesn't take me years. Normally, it takes me a little while. Also, was 2020... 2020- like it didn't feel like that's that's a ripoff year. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Normally, it doesn't <laughs> like in a regular in a regular year. I probably would have seen this movie maybe a month or so after it won the Oscars for everything. You know what I mean? But what happened was the pandemic happened, and then I went like even more so, double down on just watching stuff <laughs> I had seen before or stuff that yeah. I knew would make me happy or just like silly, easy to watch shows. Um, but yeah, so Carol got very mad at me for not having seen this movie. <laughs> And it was on screen. Okay, not mad. Don't make me <laughs> well, seem horrible. We're still friends. I'll post the screenshots. I mean, they were pretty aggressive. It but, almost um, broke up the friendship. It almost, yeah. Um, but um, so I did finally see this movie like a couple weeks ago for the first time. Uh, and I also really liked it. I appreciate, I think, that I saw it a decent amount of time after the Oscars because I feel like I may have had Dan's reaction as well, which was, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, By the way, when you were telling that story, it reminded me so much of Guardians of the Galaxy, because I I was out of town, I was out of the country when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, and then when I came back to watch it, everyone was like, this is the greatest movie of all time, and then I watched (laughs) it, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like a Marvel movie, like, what's the big deal? So, anyway, uh, I finally saw this movie, and I did really enjoy it. I think the thing that I appreciate probably the most about it, and I'm sure this will come up as we talk about the movie, but... Like, the first part of it was more in that category of, yeah, this is good, of, like, the direct comparison between the rich family and the poor family. Um, But the thing that really, like, flipped it on its head for me and turned it into something, I think, better and great is when you find out that, like, the original maid that was working there also, like, has her husband, like, like, safe in the house. And then there becomes... And that's really, like where the crazy conflict comes in because before that it's just kind of like scamming and then at that point it's where like the extreme hyper violence and stuff starts happening and so not just the idea of like rich versus poor but just the idea of like what class does to people where i was like ah that's that's like the thing that i think takes this movie up from just a solid movie about like rich people and how that kind of sucks um so yeah i really enjoyed (laughs) that i really love the ending because the ending, and we'll talk about this as well, is, I think, a very, very close, like, deliberate reference to Taxi Driver and Martin Scorsese. 
because um, uh, we'll talk about it, but even in the editing and like in a lot of stuff, it is like very similar. But I love that because I know that they, if not have worked together, at least have some type of like working relationship of something or another. I don't know. They're connected somehow. I remember at the Oscars, he like made a big deal about like, I like this guy and whatever. So we'll talk about that too. But uh, yeah, I think it was great. I'm happy that I was held at gunpoint to watch it. I'm glad that I've now seen it. <laughs> and I think everyone should watch it. Uh, it definitely, I think, lives up to the hype more so than a lot of Oscars movies sometimes. This one, I think, lives up to the hype. Real quick, just jumping off what you were saying about um, like the motivation to watch a movie when you hear that it's really good. Yeah. I was literally thinking about this last night, and I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> and I think it's because when you know a movie's going to be good, it turns into almost a chore. It's not. It's no longer yeah. a leisure activity rather yes. than when you're watching like a bad movie that you can like demean and make fun of and it makes you feel it makes anyone feel smart to do that and like i'm guilty of that of course for sure yeah or or even not just a bad movie but a good movie that you've already seen and analyzed so you can just sort of watch it more in the background you know but when you're watching a brand new movie that's been like critically acclaimed it sort of puts the pressure on you if you're someone who watches movies to analyze them like rather than just putting it on in the background anyway i also think that a part of it is when you're watching a movie that's like quote unquote good and universally good and if you're not vibing with it then they're like it at least anyway i i have this immediate gut reaction of like do i have bad taste like what <laughs> am, am i, I not am i an idiot like what do i yeah. not like just just quick one of the few movies that i watched in the pandemic that is like a universally good movie that i had never seen before is um oh shoot what's it it's that uh no country for old men the mm. coen brothers movie oh okay and i watched it and i was like i I am not vibing with this at all. Like, I, I get it. I appreciate it. But this is not for me. I don't care. I could have stopped watching it halfway through. So that's definitely, I think, a factor for me as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, thankfully, Parasite wasn't like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, most of the time, most good movies end up, I end up appreciating one way or another. It's not just a full, I hate this. Why am I doing this? Sometimes that happens. But, you know. Yeah. And, and to be clear... Even after the first time I saw it and then found out that it won Best Picture, I was like, I was very happy for it, especially yeah, it because sense. it was an international film winning Best Picture. And I can't believe there's still an international film subcategory. Like, it's oh, silly. They, yeah. they deserve their own separate thing still. But it won both, and that's like awesome. Yeah. And I was certainly like, I never wanted to like put the movie down for winning Best Picture. I think it totally deserved it, mm-hmm. even then. Anyway, I've been talking a lot, so. Yeah, Maddie and Carol, you guys are the experts on this movie, so go ahead, take it away. I am not. I told you I watched it twice and forgot how it ended. Yeah, I don't this think is I true. Think I, well, all I think he means you two are the two biggest fans out of the four. You guys yes. are the one that makes everyone else watch it, so yeah. I don't force anyone, I just told them that they should. That's also Fair. going back, we'll talk about the movie eventually, but At going back point. to the good, bad movie discussion, yeah. I always feel bad when a movie is universally good and then I tell people to watch it because I am the same way. I like yeah, yeah, feel yeah. hesitant to watch it because I know it'll take too much mental energy but like how else are you going to make your friends watch it they have to <laughs> yeah when theaters were a thing I would be like <laughs> yo we're going to watch this movie because it's a good movie and I'll rewatch it and I'm going to make you watch it but now I can't do that quite as yeah. easily um, but I would have done it for Parasite it was like to me Parasite was one of the only movies that like really held up to the hype that I was hearing about it I did like my very best to stay away from spoilers so I went into it like fairly fresh 
and I just like I was so overwhelmed by how good it was and just how many layers that he has that he puts in because it's not just like the story it's how the story works with the set and then how the set works with the actors and then how the editing kind of like mm -hmm. makes it all come together and the sound I was like this movie's a like a near perfect movie to me yeah I mean it's like it's pretty flawless in all of its execution I like I, I don't it's pretty rare for me to come out of a movie and not be like, oh, this thing like felt a little weird or this part took me out of the movie. But yeah, coming out of this, I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like really good all the way around. I don't know what else to say. It's just like, it's a really well-made movie. And it's also, it's also like, I feel like a lot of the times at the Oscars, especially, you'll see like the types of movies that get recognition are either like really well-made, but don't necessarily have like a either important message or it's like a self-important message that's dumb or you'll see movies that have like a good message but then you go like well there was like better movies that year that i enjoyed more but this is definitely a case of being well made and having a solid message and i think like that getting recognized is also a cool thing because it just doesn't happen a lot yeah it was like one of the first years in a long time that the oscars actually awarded the correct movie for yes <laughs> yeah i agree i agree for sure like the year before that green book one which is like bonkers insane that green Wait, book best won. Picture? oh yeah. yeah yeah green book won best picture which yeah. is like <laughs> insane i still haven't seen yeah, it i know it blows my I've mind heard, like nothing you don't but need good, to it's nothing not but good. bad things but it's like, oh, it's just, it's so, it was such like a turn, the fact that Parasite won. Because I, I loved Parasite so much, I did not think it was going to win. Just based yeah, off yeah. of the past winners that have done well. Like the year that, I think it was 2000, and, oh, I could be so wrong, 2004, 2006, when Crash won <laughs> instead of Brokeback Mountain. Oh my god. <laughs> Don't wow, even... you're really taking it back. Yeah. Listen, I... By the way, to you two other hosts, we're doing a Brokeback Mountain episode one day. I Can fucking please? love that movie. That movie is so good. And that yeah, is a good it, movie. It was I remember so it. deserving of Best Picture. I don't like, think I've watched it since the sixth grade. But like the <laughs> fact that Crash won, which is like one of the worst, not one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but like a, not a great movie, but it, because it kind of had the message right. of like, oh, we're solving racism. It was like that yeah. that shit. That's why Green Book won. It was like, oh, we're solving racism. Yeah. Um, exactly. So just based off of that, and the fact that, um, God, what was the movie I thought was going to win? What was the war movie? Um, oh, 1917. 1917. I was so convinced 1917 was going to win because it's a war movie, and the Oscar voters are mostly older white men. <laughs> So I was like, they're totally... Yeah. love veterans. Who probably fought yeah, in World like, War. They're going to love that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's British. It's white. It's already got the leg up on that yeah. aspect of it. So I I was at an Oscar party, and we had done our, like, Oscar pools, and I misjudged, <laughs> and I had 1917 as winning, and I was like, I was so... I've never been more happy to lose. I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very rewarding turn of events. For sure. Well, I um, think... Sorry. Um, no, go I ahead. I think go one ahead. thing that made this film, I guess, so relatable to even the white British male audience and Oscar voters, although I also think that whether they were told explicitly or not, for the past few years, obviously, they have to go with, like, not the white British film um, sure. simply because of all the criticism. So I don't know if that was, like, entirely what they would have 
voted for yeah, I mean, I feel like in a different if, year, especially considering they're all probably rich and didn't love seeing a rich guy killed. Yeah. If Green Book, if Green Book hadn't won Best Picture the year before, I don't think Parasite wins this year. Not because it's not deserving, but just because I feel like after like giving Green Book the win, there was probably like yeah. guilt there of like, oh, you guys fucked up. Like you really should not have given it to Green Book, and so they were like, okay, yeah. Um, sorry, I lost half my point. Anyway, what I was gonna say is the reason I think it related to a whole bunch of people is because even though it depicted like the rich and the poor to obviously like the most extremes that most people probably don't relate to because no one's that rich most people aren't that rich or that poor obviously there are some people um but even within that there was even just like the father-son relationship and like the family dynamics there and like so everyone could see something of themselves Mm -hmm. in the film which i think helped and then also everyone loves a twist like (laughs) a man hiding in a basement (laughs) Okay, so Such to talk on this twist, oh my God. I have another story from when we went to see this movie at the theater. Um, I was sitting beside my <laughs> okay. friend Claudia, who I think you guys know. And yeah. Oh, Claudia. <laughs> yeah, we know Claudia. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, and I was so excited for her to see the film, too, because I know she'd just have the most fun reactions throughout it. So I made sure I was sitting beside her. Yeah. And um, she's so <laughs> into the film. And then the, that part comes where it like goes into the basement. And she just went... <gasps> <laughs> and like covered her hand over her fi- mouth for like a minute straight. <laughs> Everybody that was in our row like looked over at her. It was, it was the best reaction. It, it was everything I wanted. Aww. It was like, that's how I reacted, and I yeah. just needed somebody else to do that as well. Mm-hmm. It was, ah, uh, what a good twist. Yeah, that's the best part of movie theaters is like reacting with a crowd. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this fall we'll get to do that again. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, fingers crossed fingers crossed um one thing i wanted to talk about that i think didn't work for me at first but then one of the this is one of the things that grew on me the more and more i watched the movie the way that both of the families are framed there's not really any character that's particularly likable really like there's not there's no hero character in this movie right and at first like after the first time i saw it my main not pro like i guess problem is a strong word but i'll just say problem with the movie was i wasn't sure what it was saying like what's the message of the movie there's no one to latch on to and both families are made up of like mostly unlikable people just sort of going at each other but then the more and more i watched it i realized that's sort of the message is that this is what classism leads to it's this division this unhealthy relationship between the classes that are created in a classist like environment such as this. Um, so I think it was just more of like a general, like this is the aftermath of a society built upon class division. Yeah. And like, kind of like what, what... <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry. It's just when Dan said, this is, a, this is a society. It made me think of George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, Maddie, continue um, with your point. I hate to have derailed it for that. I but. think I was going to say, uh, and just how like, how hard people are fighting to kind of uphold this capitalistic society that we're living in and how all that matters is kind of like going up the social rungs and not caring about the people beneath you because that was like a big part Mm, of it too was like the uh park fam or the kim family they're poor but they still have like that sliver of hope that one day they could make enough money to no longer be poor and they meet this 
couple that's even worse off than them and instead of trying to like help them out they're like no you're going to be taking my spot we can't let this happen yeah Yeah. so it becomes that like struggle right there yeah i have two things to say i need to say one of them immediately before i lose it um to the point of no one was seen as like the bad guy or the good guy like even in the title parasite like bong joon ho was very deliberate in that because and um i don't remember who i think someone from like a film studio told him not to name it that they're like you can't call poor people parasites and he's like no technically both sides are parasitic because the rich people are leeching off of the poor people for work obviously yeah and vice versa and so like even in the title he was very deliberate to be like no no one is good no one is bad if if we pick they're both bad you know like there's Mm -hmm. no one's perfect there is Mm -hmm. no hero and then my other point oh no did i lose it we were talking (laughs) about oh the family when they're (laughs) don't shake your head at me marco um (laughs) when they um encountered the husband and wife in the basement i was kind of surprised that the mother of the the family who infiltrated the house didn't want to help out because the housekeeper wasn't asking for her job back she was literally like just let him stay here and let him get food once a week i was and she was gonna pay her for it i was so surprised that she didn't say yes and was like don't call me sis you know i was shocked yeah i think that's just like a big uh i think it was just like if we let this continue it could kind of threaten our livelihood yeah but the, yeah. the cis thing is interesting because in Korea, if you're close to somebody, you'd call them cis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what the exact words are for it. I know older sister is Nuna, but I don't remember what like younger sister or whatever. Because they're very, very uh, particular about using pronouns like that mm-hmm. for respect reasons. So the fact yeah. that she's calling her cis is like a huge sign. She's trying to make it seem like they're on the same level. Mm-hmm. But obviously the mom is like we're not on the same level don't call me sis like this is not the same thing here we're never going to be on the same level even though they're like yeah much closer if not actually on the same level yeah just to echo what you guys are saying like the when i watched this i did watch it with um the other maddie guest that's been on this podcast <laughs> but that was a point she and me too like in the i guess we'll call it the first half prior to the twist of the movie yeah. when we're just watching them infiltrate the house where she was talking about kind of what dan said where she was like who am i rooting for like i'm obviously rooting for the poor family to like try and have some success and not have to be poor anymore but also like like there's not really a hero in this and i think yeah it does then become clearer as the movie goes on that that's kind of the point and yeah like what the extremes and division in class can do to people um yeah so i just wanted to echo like i think that is like a pretty universal experience of watching this movie and i think it's also like kind of the point of the movie is probably to make you question in the first half like that what what the message of the movie is and then to kind of let you know um as he goes on but then also this ties into something that we've referenced a lot on this podcast which is the mother episode of the podcast (laughs) where we especially dan and i very much went off on uh, long tangents talking about how when you're trying to get a message across in a movie it's not just enough to have one person be like mustache twirling evil and then have the other person be like the best human ever and then to give the best human ever your point of view and because that's just like a bullshit way of getting your point across and i think this movie is 
like one of the best examples I've seen of the opposite of that where yeah like what you're saying Carol like they both are being parasitic in different ways and so you're not relying on likability of one character to get your point across which is like a way harder thing to do but when it works it really I think gets the point across in a more effective way than if just the rich people were assholes and the poor people were the nicest people ever and then we watched them like take over like that would have not been i think as satisfying of an experience whatsoever so i I, i'm glad that the movie and also like to what we were talking about i feel like that's normally the type of movie that would win best picture at the oscars would be like that (laughs) very simplistic idea of like good and evil so yeah i just that's that was probably my biggest takeaway of this was just how the execution of that story and i was like wow that's really such like a hard thing to do without fucking it up and they do it so that's awesome yeah like the i guess the kims as a hero family per se are not nearly as you know generically heroic as you might expect from a more uh like mainstream movie yeah but also the parks are definitely not like they're not evil people they're also a family and and the parallels are very clear it's two parents two children Mm -hmm. and you just sort of see how the parents interact with their children on either side and um that says a lot too like the kim family is much more close-knit obviously than the park family because the park family is a rich family with a housekeeper and the parents are a lot less involved like they hire tutors for their kids um and then over on the kim side again like they're much more of a family unit as would be expected from uh, a lower class family so Okay, speaking of children, how weird is it that the son of the family <laughs> starts hooking up with the 15-year-old he's tutoring? Yeah, see, also that's what I'm talking about. the girlfriend of his friend. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> or not that girlfriend, because like... he won't ask her out till she's in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... so first of all, he's like stealing his friend's girl, but also the girl is a high school student. Yes, and a they child. Are not... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was one of the things where I was like, that's pretty scummy, and that's yeah. where I, I picked up on... Day like, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These aren't these are not hero figures in this movie, and that was that connects to what we were saying about like who to root for. Um, yeah, I think, it sort of evens the sides out a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the Kiwu I think is his name. Um, it's just like his way of being more like uh, his friend Min. Yeah, it's like yeah. his yeah. way of being like he wants to be Min. But even like as soon as we meet Min, we never see Min again. We see him in the one scene where he mm-hmm. kind of like gives him the scholars rockers landscape stone or whatever it's called and then they have their conversation where he asks him to um to tutor this girl and like that's the way into the family but it's like we never see him again but his presence is so felt throughout the film through like the stone that kiwu keeps but also the fact that he just wants to be like him so badly and that's how this whole thing kind of like kicks off well he even directly mentions it at the end like when after they have the people locked and tied up in the basement and they're in that gym after everything floods um and they're talking about like the dad's plan which is no plan he goes i wonder what min would do in this situation and the sister goes min wouldn't be in this situation which is true um and so it was good that it was not explicitly stated that he was trying to do everything to copy min throughout and so i like that in case you forgot they explicitly told you at the end yeah this movie is like the ideal movie of like not shoving everything in your face like yeah. this is how you do it this is you don't expose it this is you do it like this with very strategically and like in other movies 
you get from you go from plot point to plot point explicitly like maybe delivered by dialogue or whatever but this movie it's like the entire movie is like to make one single like point which is like i know that seems basic that's what every movie should do like every movie should have the one like singular takeaway as like its message or its theme or whatever you want to call it um so the fact that this movie does it and does it so well is part of what makes it so genius Mm -hmm. but the other thing i wanted to mention was what do you guys think is the the deeper meaning of the stone that min gives to sorry i don't remember his name but the son of the kim family well i mean not a deep meaning so directly not answering your question um but he does <laughs> say when he gives it to him it, it's like meant to attract um money but that's not the word um riches yeah, like I material wealth and stuff. yeah wealth i forgot the word wealth thank you <laughs> um but yeah and so then it literally did that for them brought them a wealthy family but yeah besides that i have no th- other thoughts other than at the end when they are sleeping in the gym post post flood and he like is like oh i can't like the i can't leave the rock or whatever and then he sleeps with it on his chest i Mm. thought that was nice having him literally sleep with something heavy on his chest as he thought about what to do about two humans tied in a basement interesting yeah interesting that was a good cat sorry had to point that out (laughs) i just watched it 30 minutes ago so it's still fresh um yeah I, i i thought it was like the same thing Okay, slightly different, but um, I noticed this, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, <laughs> is that um, the clothing that Kiwi wears, they're all slightly too small for him. And I just thought that was, like, mm. such an interesting... I didn't I notice was, like, that. I thought that was just such an I interesting storytelling technique with costuming to be like, this is a person who clearly can't afford these clothes or can't afford to buy new clothes every time he's like, gets that fit him so he's just like wearing clothes that are like slightly too small so he's always like a little bit uncomfortable wow that's really interesting i wish i'd noticed that yeah like the costume department spot on but also can we talk about the production design yeah i mean that please this yeah it's crazy yeah so like first of all the downtown area is like it's wonderful to look at like it it's so Not to quote George Lucas here, but it's so oh. dense. Like, there's, oh, Dan. <laughs> there's literally so much happening in the frame. Yeah. Um, but also the park house, which was specifically built for this movie. Yeah. And I just read about this last night, but they, like, in the architecture of the house, they designed and built physical lines for the shots that were planned for the movie to physically divide the characters on screen. Yeah. That is so... Oh, my God. Genius. Bongino is a genius. Like, he... I read that he had already, like, in his mind, he knew how everything was going to look. He knew what shots he wanted. And he knew that in the house there were going to be those lines to divide the people. So to have to, like, tell the production designer who would mostly be doing all of that work to be like, no, this is how it's going to be, is, like, a little bit, I don't want to say overbearing, but it's, like, it just shows how good he is because he's thought all this stuff out. I think it goes to also, like, we talked about this on the Matrix episode a little bit, but, like, what can happen when everyone working in a production for something, where there's just that level of synergy of, like, all the department heads and everyone's like, okay, got it. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think this movie is another case of that where there's not one aspect where I feel like someone didn't get what was going on. Like, nothing stands out. Everything is so synergistic in a way that's so satisfying yeah like 
with the production design especially where it's just like uh, it's just it's incredible like it's genuinely baffling to me because most movies are just so shit like just so (laughs) bad so like to have to have this movie like come together this beautifully is like it just makes my heart very happy but also because he had such a strong vision and probably brought that to every team like it also speaks to probably how much they all trusted him yeah and his idea which means a lot um and another thing about production apparently they didn't actually build the top of the house it was just like put in post Mm. in vfx whenever we were like outside which is also fun interesting and impressive because i couldn't tell i couldn't tell it was a fake top level do you know like why was it just like for money reasons or was there like a do they need to get like a camera through somewhere at some point like i've only seen the movie once so i can't think of any reason but i mean it was just for whenever like i think just because they didn't need to like why would they (laughs) yeah yeah just save save on money there yeah but i don't actually know why i just found out it was Mm -hmm. fake and i thought that was cool well, visual effect, you know what I mean? If it's done right, it should be seamless. Technology is crazy. I can't believe we've gotten to this point where you can make a whole half of a house and I never question yeah. it. I wouldn't have even thought there were like substantial visual effects in this movie. Right? Yeah. At all. It's crazy. So that is impressive. But yeah, like the whole house being built, like they built a mansion <laughs> for this movie. That must have felt like so rewarding for Bong Joon-ho to like, to like warrant the construction of a mansion just for the movie and it's so satisfying to look at i don't know just like the color palette and just everything about the house like i love i just i love it as a set yeah because like the color palette of the house it's all like woods and grays and so i think the idea was like the outside was supposed to be the big star of it because to have a huge lot like that in korea and seoul is kind of insane like you have to have a lot of money to have those huge lots so to have like the outside be the main focus of it because they even like show it with the big window in the living room as like this is the centerpiece of the house is right. this outside area yeah uh i think i heard i don't remember who but i heard someone attached to the film i think say that the the window looking out at the house is almost like a movie screen in and of itself mm. and the yard is like the showcase of the house so i totally agree um but also bong joon ho himself has like he he noted that like the use of stairs in the movie was like very prominent and that's one of my favorite things as well is that the uptown area at least the uptown area that the parks live in and that we see in the movie it's completely uphill from the the crowded area that the kims live in like there's these road ramps and huge staircases that you have to take just to get to the house and then even within the house you go through the door go up a staircase to get into the yard and then the all the staircases in the house of course the biggest use of it is the staircase into the bunker underneath the house. It's huge. I love that shot mm-hmm. too, that like continuous shot of them running down. I forgot how many sets of stairs there were. Like that bunker is deep. Yeah. It makes it feel like a journey. Yeah. 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 I well, uh, I, I read an interview with the production designer and he said that he's never built more stairs for a film. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Also about production design, apparently they bought a $2,500 uh, garbage can so it didn't make a noise when it closed. And Bong Juno was like, who the hell would buy this? It's just a trash <laughs> can. He's like, this is the dumbest thing that's ever existed. That's hilarious. But, you know, of course the parks would have it, so he oh had to get God. it anyway. 
Well, that's like uh, with the oh my god, the the food that they make at the end, the ramen with the steak in it. It's like the same oh, idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like who would do this except really rich people? I love also um, like the motif, even within the world of the movie of like like the line and crossing the line because it goes obviously it ties hand in hand with what we were talking about before with the physical lines in like the house and like the cinematography and the line for anyone mm-hmm. who hasn't seen seen it being like this metaphorical division of like like for example him and his driver or the tutor and the children well it's interesting because he kept being like like the driver isn't cross like he almost crosses the line every time but he never does and then he said the smell does which was a really shitty thing to say obviously he didn't know he could yeah. hear him but still um yeah i don't know what like i don't know maybe i'm not rich enough i don't understand exactly what <laughs> the driver did that was almost crossing the line all the time but whatever <laughs> yeah that's a good question i think it was just like the fact that like how much conversation he makes with him. Mm. He Even asked if him if he loved be... his wife, God forbid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a little that was... first. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though like besides that part, he didn't really seem to be like too like against the conversation making in the right? car. So that it's sort of just a thing where it's like, yeah, I, I secretly enjoy talking to my driver, but I'm not <laughs> supposed to because of the social human. hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. I have a yeah. question. Um, it's more of just, uh, I, I just, whenever there is now, like, a sex scene in a movie, <laughs> I always just take it upon myself to ask, like, okay, like, what is the purpose of this sex scene in the movie other than just to be a sex scene in a movie? So, like, what what do you guys think the purpose of the sex scene is when the Kim family is hiding underneath the table and the husband and wife of the Park family are on the couch? And then, like, the kids outside and, like stuff starts happening between them while they're under the table is it more like is it just like an another layer of tension to have on top of the scene or like what do you guys think the purpose of that scene is i truly believe that scene is to it's like with the kim family or almost all the kim family being under the table and they don't know it that's like like they brought this upon themselves and it's so awkward that scene like a family having to like hear like that's so I mean, obviously it's awkward, don't even need to say it, but that's, like, a consequence of what they have done to the, like, like to work their way into the family and to, like, con and, like, get people fired, get people sick to get where they are right now. So that, to me, mm-hmm. was, like, a clear consequence of their actions so far. Just the awkwardness of right. it is, like, punishment enough. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess, yeah, like, again, only having seen it the once. When it did happen, I was kind of like... Is this supposed to just be incredibly awkward for them? Like, I just, you know, just trying to figure out, like, what the purpose of it was. But I guess that that makes sense to me as, like, why that's in there. Also, like, I guess since we're just talking about random stuff now before we get to the end, the the very clear, like, end of the second act, like, the the flooding mm-hmm. of their house is just, like, oh, that was so hard to watch. Yeah. It's just, like, incredibly hard to watch moment. And also... It's coming off of the suspense of the Park family coming home, and like there's so much tension there, and it's like, like, and then to have them go home and, and have they're like, wait, did we leave our like, windows open? And yeah. they're they get home Holy and their shit, homes yeah. filling up with like literal shit, and it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Also, for the sex scene, another idea that I just thought of because I mm. also didn't really question why they would have it, but it could also be another foil to like this rich family is experiencing 
the highest highs, even if the sex didn't seem that great, versus <laughs> definitely the Kim didn't seem that was another point that experiencing I experiencing yeah. their lowest low, and also then it was kind of genius to have their house flood too because it's like you assume it can't get any worse for them, you know, and then yeah. it's like no, actually it can. Their house is full of shit. Like when she's just smoking a cigarette on top of this toilet that is just mm-hmm. shooting poop <laughs> at her. What? What? What a life. <laughs> it's also like, I also love, and I'm sure like this isn't a deliberate reference, but just in my own head, this is how my head works. I love the, like, you know, in like a silly like cartoon or sitcom where, where someone will say like, how could it possibly yeah. get worse? And then like it just spontaneously starts raining yeah. on them. And I kind of feel the flooding is almost like exactly what you said. It's like that for this movie where there's all this tension and everything is awful and what the hell is happening? And it's like, how could this get worse? And then like their house floods. And it's almost like that but the good version of that not the silly version of that but the the cool thing about that too is it's like it's raining since they're just like chilling having dinner at the table before yeah. like before everything starts going wrong and they're just so like delusional at that point that they don't think then did we leave our windows open yeah it's not until like mm-hmm. the family comes home and and everything starts getting put into action that that actually uh occurs to them and then that's the reason that like they get home and their house is like almost all the way filled up with water already so i like that they set up the storm earlier on and that's something like you notice going back watching it after having seen the movie already you're like ah i know where that storm is going (laughs) story yeah it's just like the illusion's been shattered so now they have to be like oh shit we have an actual house what the hell is going on in that house but i loved i loved that scene where they're like running down the stairs and the water's just like shooting behind them Mm mm-hmm it's just yeah. like it's so it's just such a good metaphor for what's happening like the whole time they're like they were up top mm-hmm. now they have to go back down and they're just bringing they're all their shit yeah they're being washed yeah. back and they're just bringing it all back with them but they had to i i forgot to mention this when we were talking about like production design they built so they built the they call it a semi basement so they built the kim's uh semi basement and they built that whole street too that that's on what yeah. street oh, wow. yeah I didn't Holy realize shit. they built the they whole, built street. That whole street. Jesus. And everything that they got on that street, um, they all like they collected from around like the uh, poor neighborhoods in Seoul, and so they like oh completely made that whole street, and and obviously the whole apartment. What's the budget? <laughs> I think it was like twelve or thirteen million in American like, dollars. Wow, that's crazy yeah. to me. That's such a low budget, like and this made, many like, practical for a, yeah. in general for a movie, millions, but so. yeah. Oh my god! And just like the level of production design they got out of that budget, like it looks better than most movies with like hundred million dollar budget. That put it all into CGI. Yeah. I mean, like if you if you think about it, there's they would have had to build the the two apartments or like the house and then the semi basement apartment plus the bunker, and then I don't think they really built anything else. But like still, like insane how well done the film is on such a tiny budget for what it is a tiny budget and also only like a fraction of that is for production design there's also the actors yeah the director like yeah i wonder what i wonder bong joon ho got paid for this curious (laughs) what his going rate is yeah (laughs) you want to hire him (laughs) yeah (laughs) um marco do you want to do you want to talk about what you're referring to with uh, the taxi driver connection? Absolutely. Um, and I think I only made this connection knowing that there is a connection between Bong Joon-ho and Martin Scorsese, which 
Again, I don't remember the full details. I just remember at the Oscars, like, he specifically you. called um, out Scorsese as a... Yeah, yeah, go for it, Maddie. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it worked, um, it worked. <laughs> so Bong Joon-ho used to translate movies when he was in university, and he used to love Martin Scorsese. So when, during the Oscars, when he was accepting um, one of his awards... He specifically pointed out Martin Scorsese because he loved watching his movies and he loves his movies and he's so inspired by his movies. So he had him do like the um, standing ovation. As he's winning his award, he has Martin Scorsese do a standing ovation, which I just thought was yeah, so yeah, cool. Great. But yeah, that's that's the connection is they just have like a very yeah. deep respect for each other. And like, I think Bon Joon-ho is like a huge fanboy. That makes a lot of sense because yeah. To so what Dan was talking about about what I alluded to, I don't know. Have okay, I've definitely shown Carolina Taxi yeah. Driver. Maddie and Dan, have you guys seen Taxi Driver? I've seen it a very long time ago, so I don't really remember a lot of it. Okay, I, I've never seen it. Ah, Dan, unfortunately, I'm gonna have spoiled. <laughs> that's exactly what you Dan, plug your ears. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah, Dan, just don't be a part of this whole conversation. We're gonna have. Um, just send me the files later, so, and I'll, I'll just edit the episode <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah i taxi driver is i think probably like my second favorite scorsese movie i i love that movie and there's something about that movie in particular that it's so rewatchable for me because I, i'm almost like in a trance anytime i'm watching it where there's just this level of like constant slow but like under the surface tension that gets carried through the whole movie and like weird shit's happening and you're like uncomfortable and then right at the end of the movie Robert De Niro's character Travis Bickle uh snaps and goes to this house where there's prostitution going on which is like a subplot of the movie and basically goes to kill everyone there to to free this one prostitute played by Jodie Foster who was like 12 years old at the time um so he goes there and there's this like the whole movie there's not really any violence it's just like this constant tension and you can tell travis is like fucked up because he keeps a diary and like he's not okay (laughs) and then it gets to the end and it is like bloody bloody like martin scorsese gangster movie like he just eviscerates everyone in this house kills everyone but then he's also getting shot at and he's bleeding out while he's killing everyone um and fun fact they had to actually like change the saturation during that scene because it was so bloody that the rating authority, whatever, were like, no, you can't. You're going to get, like, an X rating oh on this God. or whatever. So in order to keep it R-rated, they actually had to drop the saturation on the blood <laughs> so it didn't look like real blood. Which is silly. Um, but anyway, I guess, yeah, I guess that fixes the problem. It's having it look a little bit off-color. But they were... He goes into the house and he, and he kills everyone. And then ultimately, like, he gets shot at. And he's laying down and he's kind of bleeding out. And then there's this, like, overhead shot that follows the police officers coming into the house where you just see like all the massacre from overhead and it goes over everything 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 and then it gets to travis bickle and he does the very famous like gun on the head thing and then like it cuts to black and then it comes back and there's this like ending where it turns out travis bickle survived and the family like the parents of this young prostitute like consider him a hero and now he's a hero in the newspaper and what's he doing he's going back to driving taxi cabs and there's like a small little denouement scene where he's like driving a taxi cab and he picks up this girl from the movie um so like all of that kind of happens at the ending of this a little bit where you get after all this crazy tension and like everything feels uncomfortable it explodes you get the crazy bloody like everything's going wrong everyone's being killed whatever whatever everything goes to shit 
I think at one point there even is like the overhead yeah. shot that goes over everything, goes um, over which the whole is garden. yeah over the whole garden, which has to be a clear and deliberate reference. And then again, it kind of ends with the dad going into the house, and we all I think as movie watchers kind of assume like ah oh, he's gonna go hide in the basement thing, so he doesn't get the bunker, so he doesn't get caught. And like Taxi Driver, you come back from that ending. And it's like, yeah, the sister died, but the mom and the son are alive, and the son's coming up with this plan to maybe one day, like, save his dad, and it's all gonna be okay, and, like, everything hopefully will work itself out, maybe. Let's just see what the future holds. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, like, structurally, it's, like, the exact same as the Taxi Driver ending, with even similar shots, but then also, and this is something that I, I don't necessarily understand the point of with both endings and it's probably my only like problem with this movie is the fact that both endings have such a clear ending point and then come back to have this like pseudo fake everything might be okay happy ending after where like in taxi driver i much rather just when travis bickle does the famous thing we just cut to black and that's done i don't need him this fake ending of like uh he's turns out he's a hero in new york city and like whatever and then with this movie, even, I'm totally fine with the ending of this movie just being the dad running into the bunker. And then the movie could just end there. Like, for me, where I'm like, I feel like everything I needed to see, I saw up to that point. And then the rest of the ending after that. And then also just the fact that, like, this narration that we're getting of the son talking has been translated to the dad through, like, the lights. Or it's the other way around, from the dad to the son, whatever, <laughs> in Morse code. But this speech goes on for, like, ten fucking minutes, so, like, the son must have been there just fucking writing down Morse code over pages and pages and pages until it started to repeat. So it just, for me, it's, like, the one part of the movie in both movies where I'm kind of like, yeah, could it just end it at the, like, highest point of tension? I didn't need this other, like, little piece after to explain away some of the like plot stuff like i would be totally fine if this movie ends with the dad going into the bunker i feel like i would have had the exact same emotional experience personally so anyway those are the similarities between the two endings and uh the same problem that i have with both of them so cheers to that maddie do you want to argue for this ending or should i um (laughs) you can both do it all right (laughs) because like i I like the ending. I think it's a very um, it's a very bleak ending, but it's sort of necessary to kind of wrap the whole thing up in the sense that just like uh, in Taxi Driver, where it kind of like ends up in the same spot, it's like the family's back. He's up, the family's back in the same spot. They're missing a sister. They're missing members of the family, but they're still living in that same shitty apartment. They're still struggling. Nothing. They've gone through this crazy life experience, but they they haven't progressed anywhere and having the son have this like wild dream of I'm gonna make money I'm gonna buy this house all you'll have to do is like walk out and we'll be there together very clearly is not going to happen and so it's just kind of this almost kind of lesson that like he went through all this stuff where he thinks he's going to kind of climb the social hierarchy rings but after even after everything that's happened he still thinks that way. It's that like hope of like, that capitalism mm-hmm. and that anybody can get out of the situation they're in if they work hard enough and if they're if they meet the right people. But it's like that's not how that works. He's he has this huge wish and idea, and it's cl- again clearly not going to happen. But it's it. I just thought it was such like a 
good way of wrapping it up because Bong Joon-ho does have um he does like to end his movies basically how they began so there's another movie called Memory of Murders um which is a fantastic film that he did and you guys should watch it, it it's the same thing like the f- last shot is almost exactly the same as the first shot but like obviously so much has happened in between all that I don't know I, I really like the ending like I, I I understand your point of view but I for me the ending really kind of like wraps everything up that nothing's ever actually going to change yeah and I think the ending kind of had to be the way it was because the movie started out with like you see this poor family and like the son says like I have a plan and the father is so proud of him like that's how it begins it's all about a plan the son has a plan when shit goes wrong the dad quote unquote has a plan and then the son has to think of a plan like there always has to be some kind of plan plan dream whatever you want to call it they call it a plan and so it had to end with a new plan like it can't not that's all his father ever wanted him to have as a plan to get him out of this And so that's what it was. And, like, even though you're like, oh, they had to show this, like, beautiful, like, ending that could have happened. But because you then end back in the house, like, that's the final shot. Like, he's telling you, no. Like, you, like, I don't know why he had to show it to us to, you know, tease us like that. Um, But even in interviews, sometimes people would be like, oh, so, like, do you think it happened? And he's like, no, I ended the movie in the basement because obviously it doesn't happen. Like, are you dumb? Like, how did he get that much money? Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I think it had to be that way. I respect what you guys are saying, but here's my (laughs) counter-argument to it. First of all, I just want to point out, just so we're all on the same page here, I also totally, like, agree and, like, obviously the ending is, like, satirical like obviously like the it's a faux happy ending of like this is the great thing that's gonna happen and like obviously it's not gonna happen and then even to the taxi driver example a lot of people consider that ending to be not even necessarily literally what's happened in the movie but like what travis bickle internalizes is going to happen you know what i mean like in his last moments as he's bleeding out he's imagining that like he'll become a hero of new york and whatever whatever so like I get, like, I, I do get that. My only counter-argument is, in terms of the cyclical nature of what we're talking about here, and how, like, the dream of getting out of poverty is kind of, like, bullshit. It dep- Like, if you are in, like, a certain level of poverty in certain conditions, like, that's kind of what we're talking about. I feel like that point gets across, and even just, like, the continuing nature of all this gets across with now there's another father trapped in the bunker. So, like, if you, like, for me anyway, like, seeing, like, if you were more deliberate about showing him go into the bunker and then it just ended there, I feel like that would have been enough for me. Not, like, because I'm sick as fuck and don't need more explanation, (laughs) but I just mean, like, in in terms of my emotional journey, like, I feel like... Yeah, not because I'm I'm so much smarter than everyone, but just, I mean, in terms of my emotional journey, I would have been like, ah, like... And someone else is now in the bunker and, like, the cyclical nature of, like, poverty and this is all shit. Like, just emotionally. And, like, the, the only example I have, because most movies don't even necessarily do that, but, like, I always go back to Whiplash as an example of this where the movie ends on him doing this crazy fucking drum solo and he thinks he's so sick, but ultimately, like, nothing is going to change and like nothing in his life would change and i feel like if you did have more scenes after that in that movie it would just kind of be this understanding of like fletcher used him in that sense like everything fletcher said about like i am really hard on people but i get the best out of them and miles teller's character is like well fuck you and that's a terrible thing to do but then i 
Miles Teller goes on this crazy amazing drum solo and low-key Fletcher is like I fucking like you're doing this despite me but also like I win because I did get the best out of you and I feel like like that was enough for me to just end on that crazy moment um emotionally where I like was like "Ah, I don't need to see the resolution of like does he go on to be successful or whatever so I don't know that would that's my that's my only takeaway not that I hate the ending but it's just (laughs) like seeing the dad go into the bunker I feel like gets the point across and then but here's the other thing right like i'm okay with there being more after that i really am like i'm fine if you want to do this whole like faux plan that's never going to happen and showing just how sad it all is i'm actually fine with that the thing that really sets me off to this ending is more just the logistics of decor decoding the morse code like i wasn't even thinking about it i was like yeah sure the movie's continuing and we're gonna get an ending but then once the morse code stuff started happening i was like this is kind of dumb like this is really to me it just like i don't know i was like this is taking it's the one part of the movie that kind of took me out of the movie where i was like what like this would never work this is a terrible fucking thing like that would never work whatsoever and could never work and then it got me started thinking about the ending in general and i was like do we even need the ending could we maybe cut the ending I don't know. It's not like the end of the world either way, but that's just my my uh, perspective. Also, on are we ending. supposed to assume that he showed up at just he happened to show up at the beginning of the speech of well, him? That, that was well, my <laughs> thing too. I do remember watching the movie and be like, "Well, how does he know this is the beginning yeah. of it?" But, but this timing, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like as long I, I as the speech, I would have laughed if there was like a critical point beforehand that he missed yeah. <laughs> that like he didn't take down. Yeah, but, here, but here's is, my thing. What I'm saying is like, okay, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, the logistics of the Morse code is he would have had to start writing and then write all the way through that entire fucking 10-page speech until he gets to where the point where it starts repeating yeah. again. That would be the only way he knew he had well, the Well, he actually, speech, I don't know if you saw, itself, he recorded. He didn't write it immediately when he was just standing by the house. He was, like, saying into his phone, like, dot, dot, dash, dot, dot, so he could then write it later. Just say, like, he wasn't writing in I mean, this note. Just the one I defense. I know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's still bullshit. Here's yeah, here's no, my but I, I get still it. Agree, so but yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with like the convenience that he showed up just before he started the long Morse code message <laughs> and then waited till the very sure. end. Even if he didn't repeat, even if he just did it like once a night, and that was the night that the sun finally made it there in time to take it down. My only problem is why, and I've seen this movie three times. I still don't understand why the basement has three separate buttons to control the upstairs like each of the upstairs lights that it connects to like not one switch for all of them like there's a button for each light that doesn't seem very realistic to me that's a very minor thing and i'm most people would say i'm nitpicking but they needed those three buttons for the for the morse code like yeah also the fact that the park family's never been like well how do these lights turn on (laughs) yeah Yeah. how do these work (laughs) yeah and that's the thing it's just like that is the only thing where the like i got so hung up on the logistics of it that i was like not even like processing necessarily the actual like relevant information because i was just like this is weird how would that work and yeah dan you're right like they like like as an electrical engineer why the fuck would there be three switches like any reason is there any reason for the basement to have like a shutoff switch for each individual light no of course not like they're (laughs) so close to each other and also you have to assume that because they're in the same area, they would be on, like, the same circuit. So, like, unless they were all individual circuits, which makes absolutely no sense why anyone would do that. Even a rich... Like, Carol was saying, maybe I'm just not rich enough. Like, I'm here to tell you, even if you are rich enough, you would never pay to do that. That's ridiculous. And then, yeah, what... 
Like, Maddie what if was it saying. was on, like, a separate, uh, oh, my God, I'm bad with words. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because I'm on a podcast right now. Um, <laughs> uh, what if they're on, like, a separate, like, um, power source or something for, like, so they could do Morse code in case the power goes out like i don't know but that would be the only thing is literally like the only reason these exist is to perform morse code like yeah why do they need three for morse code can't you just do it with one light you absolutely could if they were all all on one circuit you could just flip the switch yeah so it was just it was a weird random detail yeah yeah you literally only need one but i'm totally with you dan like and I guess that's really, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I know I'm I'm guising my talk of the ending in, like, uh, do we really need it emotionally? But, like, ultimately for me, it was just... <laughs> the electrical the, well, just the engineer. Li- <laughs> like, it was one of those things where when it was introduced earlier in the movie, I didn't question it yeah. because of everything else going on. But then when you get to this ending, it kind of, like, popped into my head and then started making me question a bunch of stuff logistically, which... To me, I'm like, if you can't do the ending in a way that doesn't do that, then either, like, don't do the ending or restructure the ending, because I, that just sucks that, like, the very last thing that happens in the movie, I'm like, would that work? Why is that like that? What is, what are the logistics of this? Like, I, that's the, that's my biggest problem, really, with it. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, it's not like it ruins the movie and doesn't deserve to win Best Picture because of that one contrivance. Like, I get it. Sometimes <laughs> you need shit in a movie to make it happen, but it is a little silly. I do silly. love that the one thing that we've, like, found wrong with the movie, we've ranted for, like, ten minutes. And it's the one thing we could find yeah. wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, and, and it's it literally it's the most switches. minor thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's literally, it is. It's, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I want to say, like, despite that very minor problem with the end i also am in the uh camp of i like the extended ending like rather than an ending on the dad going into the basement fair points marco very fair points but in my I opinion like, i think just go the... jump off the bridge dan i don't know i'm here on a rock what the fuck is the point of this anymore just go run into a bunker yeah, just yeah <laughs> um but i like it because i like despite seeing the movie before when i watched it this last time i forgot that it was a fake ending and that's why I was like, oh, I'm kind of thinking what Marco was thinking. Of like, do we need this? But then you get to that reveal again that it didn't actually happen. And then you start questioning, oh, yeah, why did I ever believe that was true? Because, like, where would the money come from to go to university? He's been out of high school for years now. Why hasn't he gone to university yet? Like, yeah. he probably would have if he could have. They're on have. parole now. <laughs> They're on parole. Yeah, like, people are, like, on like on his ass because his dad committed a crime like this is definitely it never would have happened so that twist at the end that it's a fake happy ending and it's actually very tragic was very effective for me because it's like the the clues were there the whole time and and you were just so like swept up in it that you totally missed them like the biggest one for me is yeah like i said if he could have gone to university uh, they mentioned at the beginning of the film he took the entrance exam like four times yeah. Yeah. and he like succeeded at it so why hasn't he done that it's because it's not viable in this economy for someone in his position to have a university career which is the tragedy of the whole film it's what the, the movie's saying I have a question for you guys um, if we rewind the movie a little bit when uh, the dad of the Kim family attacks the dad of the Park family with violence in the way that he did, did you guys agree with that decision to have that be a violent altercation like that? Because I have a film professor who hates it. 
He's like, I love this film. Yeah, he's like, I love this film. <gasps> I think it's a fantastic really? film. But I hate that they use violence, unnecessary violence like that. So I'm curious about, like, what you your guys' thoughts on that is. I think it was warranted. <laughs> Maybe really? not death. I'm not saying kill the rich. I am, baby. Let's go. I do kill have a sign rich, in my house. <laughs> I have a sign in my house that says eat the rich, but, like, I don't mean it if any, like... Metaphor. Yeah. Um, in case any, anyone who wants to call me out on that, I have not eaten anyone, for the record. Yeah. Um, You're not army. But I think it's, <laughs> it's just set up Second so well. Cannibal reference. Let's go. <laughs> I feel like we talk about it last. every time. Yeah, definitely won't be the last. It's my favorite thing. Um, but no, I feel like because it shows, it shows so well that he like his disdain for this family is sinking in, especially when his daughter, although like I'm sure the family doesn't know it's his daughter, but still this person is dying and the family still is like, no, you have to drive us like come now. And like him just seeing all that going on, like what else would he have done? Like what, like it's everyone's a bunch of people had already died at this point. You know what I mean? Like if he didn't stab Mr. Park, then what, like what, what should have been his response to that? Just staying with his daughter and looking angry well, here's like my opinion. I agree. I so I agree with both of you. So, it's a perfect movie ending, but obviously movies are an exaggeration of real life. And from that perspective, I obviously think it was like killing someone is unwarranted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. For sure. <laughs> um, it, so I think that's the question that Maddie was asking. But like, again, I also agree with Carol because like in the movie world, it's a it's a perfect way to like this is the. The esca- this is where the escalation of the action was leading to. So I also think it's like it it almost makes this movie it almost ends it on like a genre movie note of where you just have this like insane release of the tension that's been happening this whole time where like obviously this movie has a lot of important things to say and in large in part is just kind of a dramatic movie but there's also aspects of this movie that play like a psychological horror film a lot especially when you introduce like the bunker in the basement um so to have like the ending end in like all this extreme murder outside of just the martin scorsese references like i think is really warranted and i i think even just from watching this time for me like when that happened i was like fuck yeah like it was just like it was such a like welcomed release to everything that had been happening this whole time um and i think it is like a a great movie ending like what you're saying dan Obviously, that is where the movie, like, transitions into borderline fantasy, whereas, I mean, I guess this whole movie's kind of, like, nothing that happened in this movie realistically probably could have happened, unless you were, like, perfectly yeah. conniving and perfect in terms well, of, like, yeah. it is you know what I mean? Film. <laughs> Ultimately, it is a movie. A yeah, like, and I do think that's almost how I look at it a little bit of, more of, like, a moralistic tale than anything, and so, like, to have that be the ending... I was fine with it. it didn't take me out of the movie in fact I, I really enjoyed it and i think it was like like i don't know thinking about how much tension had been built up how else you release that in a satisfying way i don't know and at least none of the kim family were the first to like they didn't make the first move yeah so that also helps i think that it was like not a reaction but it was like oh this is already started so like i'm gonna make my move now that yeah, i've it- kind of been wanting to do the whole time but like never actually thought about I'm going to kill this guy. But now that it's happening, it's like that sort of pushed him over the edge. 
to actually like follow through with it i think it actually even adds to the theme of the movie a little bit in terms of how like violence it itself in a way like can come from disparity in class where it's like this movie in a lot of like most of it has been like peaceful like there's been like bad shit going on but um like ultimately it has been kind of peaceful and whatnot in terms of the way the drama has been playing out but then ultimately yeah like this disparity in class can only end in violence and how that's even like a commentary on violence itself yeah like marco's thoughts are exactly what i thought the the whole time so that's why i thought it was so interesting when my professor had a different sort of point of view of it yeah I, i felt like that was the only way it was going to end like that was the only way it could have ended so many insults had been thrown at him and now his livelihood had been threatened and then now this his daughter's dying and he's being told to no 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 help us instead who's not dying but you're gonna help us and drive us to the hospital instead so it's like Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what else would and he thought his son might be dead he just saw him bloody i I don't know what else could have happened in that moment i have a question for you guys uh in the movie they set up how like the son had a seizure when he saw the mm, one guy, right? And he had yeah. to be taken to the hospital. Oh, that was which, creepy. Which is why, yeah, it is creepy. That was so scary. Just um, the eyes. Oof. And again, this is what I'm talking about. This is kind of a horror movie in a lot of parts. Yeah. So like murder school and horror it's movies. But dark um, comedy. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we set that up pretty well. And then at the end, obviously it comes back. I do have a yeah. question though. Like, did I misunderstand or did the mom say that like when a kid has a seizure, yeah. they have to go to the hospital within 10 minutes yeah. or they'll die? 15, okay, but yes. Is that true? I feel like, can you not like have a seizure and just like not die from it without yeah, being hospitalized? I had, I had kids at my grade school who had seizures I and did they too. didn't have to go to the hospital. Is maybe, there like maybe a special kind of seizure? I don't know. I like, I'm just, I, cause I was in talking about university. Like I was in university and a literal guy in my class had a seizure and was on the floor for like at least half an hour before anyone, any paramedic showed up and he is fine and alive and well. So like, I, yeah. I just don't know like where that came from. Like I understand that it's set up. So that way at the yeah, end, that might've just been like a thing that they sort of made up to use yeah. as like a plot thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, Okay, I'm really glad you brought that up because that moment ties into one of the last things I want to say. This is like this is my only real like subjective problem with the film, I'll call it. But so as we mentioned, there's a reveal in the movie that there's a secret bunker and there's the man living underneath and then it's revealed that he has been seen by the kid coming up at night for food. And it's really scary. But do you guys think that reveal would have been, or sorry, not the reveal, but the uh, the mother telling her about um, her kids seeing, like, she calls him a, a ghost. Yeah. Do you think it would have been more effective for us to hear that before we find out about the bunker? And then mm. find out about the man living in the bunker, and you're like, oh, that's who he saw. Like, I think that would have been a more effective reveal. Mm. What do you guys think? That's interesting. My only My only thought for why they wouldn't have done that would just to be to preserve like the sanctity of the twist like that completely turns the movie on its head where there is absolutely no indication that anything yeah. weird is going on except for oh and then it just like and then it like just brick wall. that's the like but that's I, fair. I know what you're saying and i do feel like that also could have been a nice little like setup payoff moment um especially since like in the movie we're already talking about like especially like when the i think it's when the sister first shows up to like teach the son or whatever like art and she's yeah. like talking to the mom about the son and how the son's like really creative and all that bullshit or whatever. 
Um, I feel like you probably could have slipped something in there as like the setup setup to him seeing ghosts, so that way it wouldn't even like make you think about it whatsoever. Um, so I guess you probably still could have pulled that off, and that that definitely would have been a nice little setup payoff moment, Dan. I agree with you. I feel like the ghost thing would have distracted me, and also. I kind of like that when the sister's pretending to be an art therapist and just like casually, first of all, how lucky that she goes, oh, did something happen in the first grade? And like that happened in the first grade. That is (laughs) such just pure luck. Um, But anyway, I kind of like that because the mother's reaction was so, so severe and then we didn't find out what it was. It kind of made me think like, oh, it was something actually serious. And then to find out what it is like, okay, yeah, I guess a seizure is scary, but like still I would have thought something much much worse you know what i mean right. i kind of like that they kept it a surprise yeah for a I did while, like that. a mystery yeah do you mean the cause of the seizure yeah well yeah because uh, no initially like when they first first met did she say that he had a seizure initially? no because it, it took till like no. much later in the movie till she revealed what the first grade thing yeah. was yeah yeah so i like that it was a mystery for quite yeah a while. i kind of like that i didn't know until like near the end of the film because then it kind of like wrapped everything up i guess mm-hmm. for me not everything, but, like, it was one of the loose ends that got wrapped up. How does it feel, Dan, to now be the one on an island with an opinion that no one else agrees with? Does it feel good? No, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> no, but you guys, you're all making good points, and I hadn't even thought about, like, that would definitely diminish that, like, holy shit moment of when you first, like, dive down into the bunker. Because yeah. any hint of something not not paranormal, but, like, something not I was going to say not normal. It's just paranormal. <laughs> That's literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> going on, it would, yeah, it would diminish from that that twist for sure. Yeah, especially since we see the basement quite early on in the film um, when the daughter comes over to do the first art lesson and yeah. um, the mom and the original housekeeper were like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to bring plum extract up to them and like sneak into the room and you're going to tell me what's going on so you kind of see the basement and if we had known i guess something sooner about what happened i would have like been thinking oh somebody's in that basement Mm. somebody's in that space so yeah it just totally would have ruined the whole thing and like there's something going on down there yeah that's true because then you think back to those scenes where they're just in the basement and you're like holy shit they had no idea that there was a whole other floor and a person living under there and that's just so creepy mm-hmm. thinking back like retroactively yeah. i just want to say one more thing the fact that the the rich mother first of all so out of touch but also the fact that for her son's birthday she called his birthday cake a trauma <laughs> recovery cake oh my god I know. and then it ended up being involved and surrounded by so much trauma that i'm sure yeah. he'll never get over another little genius joke um, because yeah, also this movie was really funny. I don't think we talked about that enough. No. Um, in case someone is is listening to this and didn't see it, it's funny. It yeah, it doesn't it's, sound it's like funny. it based on it's what we talked about, funny. but it is. My, one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, scenes is when um, <laughs> Kiwu is coaching his dad about how to, uh, how to like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the script. We come up with the story of uh, why yeah. the housekeeper is at the hospital and how she has. Um, yeah. What does she have again? TV and TV. He's like, your energy levels up here. But you oh, when they're to reading from the scripts here, and they're like rehearsing it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <a> scene. <laughs> yeah. 
that was yeah that was great that was really good yeah that's what i like even in the intro i mentioned it's it really is like a genre bending yeah movie and that's i think one of the most uh impressive things about it all right well maddie on behalf of all of us i want to thank you for joining us wait don't thank her Uh, yet i have a fun fact i forgot about oh go ahead (laughs) they're apparently making like a mini tv series spinoff of this have you guys heard of that uh bong joon ho said that he had so much that he wanted to put in the movie that he obviously couldn't because it would have been way too long and he's like the only way i could make this as i really wanted to is to do it as a tv series so i think he's partnered with hbo um and adam mckay who's done like the big show that stuff so i think Hmm. it may be in english too yeah, it's supposed to be six hours long, um, and Tilda Swinton is confirmed as being cast in a lead role, and Mark Ruffalo is rumored to star as of February wow. 2022. Wow. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel about um, that. I kind of wish it could, you know, be the same cast or something. But I'll take anything he gets. Yeah, us, like you I know? kind of wished it would have stayed so. in Korean. I guess. Um, yeah, because I think it's I just really think weird. Like, so much of the. <laughs> This definitely feels like the Western version yeah. of yeah. The movie. I don't know. Probably... I just feel like the, it's so good as is, but I guess they wouldn't want to do it in Korean because they already have the film in Korean. So then you're just kind of like showing the film again. It's yeah, like the extended I don't edition. Know. It's like uh, the Snyder cut I, of the film. I, I agree. Though, like, I, I'm excited, but I'm also a little like. <laughs> but why we why do we have to Hollywoodize everything? Yeah. 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 Okay, now I we can curious, think for though, that. I just had, <laughs> we had to talk about that too. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. I'm I'm curious though about like how Adam McKay and Bong Joon Ho will work together. They just seem very like their styles. I don't very think different, but I that, don't think their style is that different. To be honest, I think just like the dark humor bits definitely is like. Or maybe I'm thinking of Judd Apatow's. Yeah, I think yes. you're thinking of Judd Apatow. <laughs> yeah, because Adam McKay is that's very, very like. Different. But didn't I... Adam McKay do Anchorman? Yeah. No. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, did he? Will Ferrell. He used yeah, to be. Yeah, I thought he did. Oh, shit, I think really? him and Will Ferrell, oh. I don't know if they still are producing partners or they, they might not be, but they That's were right. at one point. Um, I think they've kind of broken off now. But yeah, he did He did write yeah. um, a lot of like, Will Ferrell's earlier stuff. Now he's doing uh, more like dramatic, and not even dramatic, but he definitely has like dark humor, like satirical sensibilities. So like I think his most recent two were The Big Short and The yeah. Vice. Um, which are both like very satirical, dark humor, funny, but talking about stuff. Okay, well, that so could work. Really I think well. it. I think it might actually end up being a decent pairing. But well, I mean, we'll have to. Only time will tell. Keep my eyes open for sure. Also, anyway. Carol. Sorry, sorry, Dan. I just. I mean, <laughs> we okay. can even That's talk okay. about this Go after ahead. the podcast. But like you said, like the Snyder cut, like extended <laughs> yes. cut, and then I just I spiraled me into thinking about what the Zack Snyder cut of Parasite would look like. Like, oh, no. what would have happened if Zack Snyder directed Parasite? And I'm just imagining like digital snap zooms on everything and slow motion and it was just also, like all of the sets would have been like cgi cgi would have been not that many practical yeah sets and that's the thing like we were talking about like his movies cost how many million, i know how many hundreds of millions and they all look so fake and like i mean that's his style and we've we've gone into detail oh, about this so but it's not detail. just him it's yeah. not just him but like with this amount of money for parasite and and they made it look so Beautiful. that's why one of my biggest yeah. one of my biggest gripes about hollywood films is that the budgets are this is kind of this is definitely off topic but the budgets are so large 
for no reason <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. It's for the actors, too. Like, like, so many yeah. of the actors are it's getting so tens of millions of dollars. Ridiculous. It's so it's inflated. It's so inflated. It's like, you... Well, the, the, the chances of you actually making that <laughs> amount of money back... Like, Tenant, are you kidding me? You thought you were going to make that money back? You spent $200 million. I know, I know. You think you're going to make that back? That's like, yeah, it's, and this is, I mean, a lot of people, like, around, I guess this does relate, because, you know, it has to do with, like, money and stuff, so I guess this is kind of on topic, but, um. No, this is on topic. Um, yeah. I guess, like, a lot of creative people talk about this, how the only two movies that get made in Hollywood are, like, zero budget indie movies or ridiculously high budget movies and so the idea of i mean we talked about this when we talked about um when harry met sally but just like a like middle budget movie with like a good cast and good writers and good director but that isn't necessarily gonna fucking be the number one like every movie that comes out now has to be the number one movie of all time otherwise it's literally a flop so and it's and it's always based on an existing ip or it's a sequel yeah Yeah. speaking so for this totally original movie no b plot like it's just a yeah. it's very simple story very timely story very well made all around it's a great movie if you haven't seen it still definitely go check it out sorry marco what were you gonna say i was just gonna say the tv show based off this starring mark ruffalo and tilda swinton who are teaming up again after their brief appearance together in avengers endgame oh when uh they go back in oh. time <laughs> to the timeline so gotta bring marvel in somehow nice really? yeah <laughs> We'll get there eventually. I can't believe we. I still can't believe we did an episode on the Snyderverse before. It's well, so I easy to talk to about. You just shit on it. It's so. I was like, I don't want to. I don't. I can't. That's okay. It's a long one. Yeah, you don't have to. It's fine. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. okay. Well, are we actually going to end this time? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, I said it already, but uh, once again, thank you for taking the time to join us for this conversation i know you uh you're very um close to this film and it showed so yeah on behalf of all of us thank you for thank being you here for today having me of course um we don't know what we're doing next right we don't have anything to I don't... tease i don't know but it's episode it it's episode 20 so like we should do something cool you, you know what you guys oh, yeah. should do i'll let me recommend a movie for you guys <laughs> okay. okay josie and the pussycat yes <laughs> it's <laughs> An underrated guys, it's so classic. Good. It's so good, you guys. Wait, have you guys seen it? You no. guys have to no. do it. <gasps> I thought you were gonna say uh, "Promising Young Woman" because you "Promising Young Woman" is very good too. I do really like times. that one. But like, Josie and the Pussycat Doll, banger. It's a banger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, is there any thematic connection to the number twenty we can draw? Anything? Okay, why are we I mean, celebrating twenty? I thought wait, we decided yeah, twenty-five. Wait, not really. Wait, twenty's not really. Okay, I guess. I was just going to say, keeping in mind that we only did the Matrix at 10 because of 1 and 0. So, like, the connection yeah. can be very loose, but there <laughs> just um, has to be well, something. What is a 2 and 0? Like, how is that prominent in anything? Is there a movie where it's somebody not. turns 20? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like there's probably yeah. only movies about people turning 21. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Or Damn, thir- like 13 you guys going on 30. Yeah. <laughs> I always say Josie and the Pussycat Dolls, too. Okay. I keep yeah. saying we'll Josie, and the Pussycat Dolls, Josie and the Pussycats, Ooh. but I'm so used to finishing off with Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> like the band? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. It'll be yes, a surprise. We'll, we'll discuss. discuss. We... Maybe I'll convince them to watch we'll Josie and the Pussycat Dolls. Okay. Fuck, I did it, <laughs> too! <laughs> I give up.
All right. Well, in that case, just uh, stay tuned. <laughs> we don't have anything to uh, tease right now. Oh, wait, guys, I can recommend Cats as well. Cats is oh, a good. Fuck. Oh fuck. Hell yeah. Well, we should do. We need we should... to talk more, Maddie. Yes. I wrote. I wrote a paper film marketing on cats. We should do a double feature of Joe's in the Pussycats and and Cats. Because cats, I don't there know, how, that has nothing to do with ah, 20. because both have cats at least in the thematic. Invite me back, I know a lot about both of these films already. <laughs> Fun fact about cats, we know we have to do it eventually. I just don't know, Yeah. I don't know any number episode that would be like, perfect. I feel like also, I'm joking about the double feature, that definitely would probably warrant in a full one. episode. It would be four hours long. <laughs> If oh, you yeah. need any fast facts about cats, let me know. I got them. We're dreading coming to that episode, but we will for <laughs> sure when we do. I know. I'm excited. You guys are dreading Okay. Well, Marco and I are that dreading. That awesome. Carolina, we do need to talk more. <laughs> yeah. it, okay. But it's because we haven't seen it yet. If, listen, if no, we do you're cats. you're going to hate it. <laughs> here's what I'm going to say, though. Can we turn the episode into a drinking game? Like sure. where if certain things come up in our conversation, we have to take a shot. That way we're at least drunk. <laughs> Talking about this movie. No we one's stopping you too. from drinking okay. during yeah. any episode. Yeah, That's next time I won't make tea. I'll make a very <laughs> alcoholic drink. All right. Well, with that, uh, thank you for listening, as always. This thank has you. been a Lord of the Rings extended cut <laughs> ending. We've been trying to end this podcast for like fucking 30 minutes. Yeah. It just won't stop. We just keep talking. Fun out here. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, All thanks right. for listening. Bye.